And it is all kinds of kids, and that's exciting because you have some elite kids that are going on to compete Division One, and you got some kids who, uh, you know, just don't have the skill level and so on. They're out there for social reasons or whatever. And we got to love up every kid. We got to coach every kid. You got to care about each one, and that's an exciting part of track and field. There's a place for everybody. Your assistant coaches make or break you, and you want to win championships and so on. You got to have good people on your staff. Hey, everybody! I'm Max Price, and you are listening to the High School Coaches Club. I am really excited for today's episode as I get to return to North Salem High School, my alma mater, and my previous coaching home to bring you the freshly retired track and field coach, Don. Burger. Before we do that, though, I just want to say how much I appreciate you for deciding to tune into the club, whether this is your very first time, in which case, hi, welcome, please stay a while, or your 37th or anywhere in between. I am just beyond grateful to have you here. And whatever role it is that you play within the high school sports scene, just know that you are making an impact. And I am so thankful to have you here. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring yet another episode of the High School Coaches Club. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, Netting Pros specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, softball and baseball are giant markets for them, but they have customers in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across the country, providing high quality products and services to recreational college professional and of course, high school facilities, fields, courses and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing them at info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website nettingpros.com or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're incredible and they're improving programs one facility at a time. You can go directly to them in the links in the show notes. Joining me on the show today is Don Berger. He just retired after winning his 10th team state championship right here in Oregon, spending 23 years as the head high school track and field coach at Salem Academy, and the last 21 years in the same role at North Salem High School. In his 44 years as a head coach, let me say that again, 44 years as a head coach, he won not only the 10 team state titles that I just mentioned, actually plus another in cross country, uh, but he also had 21 top four finishes, 283 state medals, with relays counting as one, 72 individual or relay state championships, and 22 team conference championships. That's a lot of winning. He was the Oregon Track and Field Coach of the Year five times, in addition to being named the 2016 NFHS National Coach of the Year. I was the activities director at North Salem High School the year that happened, and we had a raucous, just insane assembly to celebrate it. He's a truly humble guy, and I'm I'm really happy that he decided to jump on the show. Um, I had the privilege of teaching with Coach Berger at North Salem High School from 2014 to 2017. It was an experience that had a huge impact on me as an educator. The dude just gets it. He loves kids, poured his heart and soul into the track programs he led, and his retirement, as you'll hear, probably not going to last long, just maybe not as a head coach. So let's dive in. It's episode 37 with Don Berger. Uh, Coach Berger, thanks so much for coming on the show with me. Oh, you bet. It's good to be here. We had the chance to work together for a little bit. We taught English together and and then obviously both coached in the same building for a while. So pretty cool to have the opportunity to bring you on here as you're uh, entering the first uh, stage of your kind of retirement from coaching. Yeah, we had some good times together and I appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me to uh, be on the podcast and um yeah, I'm uh, stepping down after 44 years, so it's a uh, it's a good time to reflect. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Before we dive in, I want to ask you about the Great Gatsby because I know you love that book, and we both had the opportunity to teach it together for a little while. And I just wanted to ask you now that you're obviously out of you've been out of teaching for a couple of years, but uh, what was it about the Great Gatsby that was uh, just so powerful for you? Oh, the the language of it, the way it's written is just um, 
so beautiful. And, you know, he, he put it through like 14 revisions and uh, it just came out so perfect. And so I just love teaching that. And it was outstanding for the young people as well. Great messages and just beautiful language. I loved it. I've I missed teaching it because I have uh, I teach mostly freshmen now, so I don't get to teach Gatsby. It's a little too I don't know. It's a little too advanced usually for them, so I, I kind of miss teaching that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's dive in. I want to go back. I know it's been obviously a little while. I'm not saying you're old, but it's it's been a while since you were in high school. Can you go all the way back and tell me about your high school experience? Where did you go to high school? What sports did you play? What was it like for you? All right. Well, uh, I went to a small private uh, Christian school, Salem Academy, and uh, there I was uh, in three sports. I was just an average uh, athlete, never a you know stark star that went on to do uh, college. Um, but I worked at it, and I had a good time, and I ended up uh, staying with it. When you were in high school, did you know that you wanted to be a teacher and a coach, or is that something that kind of came about during college? Yeah. Um, I, you know, the sports were a big part of it for me. I did uh, football, basketball, and uh, track and field. Um, but I um, I was raised in a family of educators, both my parents. My dad ended up being a college professor. My mom worked with special needs students. And it was just a natural for me to, uh, to go into teaching. So I didn't know it when I was in high school. But once I got to college, developed more work ethic, and uh, so on, I got more and more into uh, the idea of being a teacher and a coach. Did you go, where'd you go to college? I started out um, at uh, Western Baptist College, which is now called Corbin, uh, because my dad was a professor there. Professor, I got uh, free tuition. Hey, there you go. Uh, You know, sometimes I look back and wish I had gone a different direction and and done sports in college, but, um, you know, it was free at the time. And um, so I, I went there for a year and then transferred over to uh, Western Oregon uh, College where I got my uh, degree and then a master's degree later. And so then you obviously are now at the, the end of a 40, 44, 45 year career of you know teaching and, and coaching and just being incredibly involved, obviously, in high school sports. But as we kind of go back, you, you got your start uh, teaching and coaching at your alma mater, right? I did. And um, I I first got on there my senior year of college. They hired me to be the middle school track coach. And that was not a good fit for me. Um, (laughs) I I was too intense and pushing and and so on. And for middle school, it was uh, I don't think either I or the athletes had that much fun with it. But the next year they moved me up to high school. And uh, that was in 1979. And career took off from there as I um, started learning more and more about uh, being a good coach and and things kind of (laughs) clicked. No kidding. So let's look at Salem Academy first before we get into into where you spent the last 20 years or so. Um, So you're at Salem Academy. Can you, just for people who are listening who have no concept of Salem Academy, can you kind of describe what the school's like, uh, what your experience there was all about? Yeah, I worked there from... uh, 1978 to uh, or 79, I guess, with the teaching um, to uh, 2000. It's a private Christian school, small. It's uh, 2A or 3A, uh, depending on the, the year. But uh, by 1986, we'd won our first state championship um, in cross country. In 1987, our first track title, we went on to have nine state championships uh, in that time. For a while, we just couldn't be beat. There was eight years in a row where we never lost a dual meet or a district meet. (laughs) And uh, we just had had a lot of fun and excitement. Uh, I'm a Christian, and it was exciting to um, be able to share my faith through my team and and with my team. And uh, it was just a real, real positive time. And then in uh, 2000, I got the chance to move up to the big public school, uh, North Salem High School. The athletic director from North lived on our block and got to know him a little bit. He saw some of the celebrations we'd have here at the the house, and uh, he uh, offered me the job to uh, go to the big public school. And 
so in 2000, I moved to North Salem High School. Yeah, so that's where, obviously, I, I went to North Salem High School and graduated in 2007. Somehow, I never took a class from you, which was odd. But then, you know, obviously, we ended up uh, teaching together and whatnot. But yeah, for people who, who don't know much about our area, um, we have we have six high schools here in Salem, uh, six big high schools, I should say, six big public high schools. And uh, two of them, North Salem and McKay, often kind of from people who have never been inside the buildings or worked there, they often get kind of a bad rap. They get looked down upon. Um, people kind of think lowly of them because they're they're kind of the inner city, so to speak, schools that we have. Um, and again, you know, I, I'm saying it because people who are on the outside don't don't understand what's actually like inside the building. Um, could you kind of talk about the the kids at North and the experiences that you had with them, and kind of shed some light on what things are really like inside North Salem? Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of interesting when people looked at my career, it's like, okay, so you went from private Christian school with the, you know, the kids whose parents uh, can pay the tuition and, you know, have those high expectations. And you went to an inner city uh, school and a big public school. And so what was that like for you? And I'm like, hey, kids are kids. <laughs> it doesn't matter which one. I didn't have any negative experience coming to North Salem High School. And in the uh, 18 years that I uh, taught at the, at the public school, I never used the uh, the office, the discipline office. You know, the, it's they're just regular kids, and uh, so I kind of get annoyed when people want to make it into like you know, well, you guys are in a you know a gang school or a ghetto school or something. No, no, no. Kids are kids, and I had a wonderful experience there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love it, and I, I I miss it quite a bit sometimes. Uh, I know one thing. What you know, one perception about North is that, uh, and McKay too, but is that you know they're not really great at sports over the long period of time. But then you look at obviously the cross country program, and then especially at, at the track program, they have been legitimately good, elite almost. I would say for pretty much the whole time you were there. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Well, yeah, we've we've had some uh, success there. Um, you know, part of it is that we just have an expectation of winning, and we let kids know that from the first day. And um, so we, year after year, have winning dual meet record. And uh, then, as the years went by, more and more success at the district and finally the state level. So um, we, I ended up with two more state titles at North, including 2019 and 2021. And so the expectation there is winning, which is interesting because in recent years, it's it's been um, where kids could go through their fall and winter seasons and not win a game, like in volleyball, sometimes not even win a match and uh, really tough times for the kids and the coaches trying to push for them to uh, to win. And then they come into track and we just like on day one say, well, now it's our turn. Uh, now it's North Salem and the kids would uh, respond. And after not having won all year, they would win a district title um, or uh, even a state championship. So that's very exciting. And again, our expectations are high and made clear from the first day. And we just got really fortunate with the quality of kids and coaches that we had. Did you have to change that when you came in? I, I don't know the history very much. When you came in back in 2000, was the track program somewhat successful? That's uh, that's interesting. When we first came, first of all, they weren't ready for the kind of expectations I had. And um, it, it was tough in the first year. There was a team meeting without uh, me and the other coaches and uh, – there was uh, some some struggles. The the off season program that I had expectations for was not successful right away because they weren't ready for being pushed and the expectations that we had. So um, I remember the the first off season uh, workout. I decided to start in December, and um, I had like one or two kids there. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> We had to build from there and get to, you know, you have to do off-season programs to, to be successful. We had to build and uh, work through it. We ended up um, in fourth place in the league 
that first year. And then we just went on from there. So it was a bit of a struggle for them and for me. Um, but uh, obviously it paid off since then. What types of like things did you do? So, you know, if you only have like two kids showing up, are you just trying to put posters up in the hallway? Are you like going after and like speaking to kids individually? Like, how do you how do you build a program when no one's really showing up during off season stuff? Because obviously, off season is where where you really make yeah, make a difference. Championships are uh, one in January and and uh, not in May. But um, yes, all those things, uh, posters, uh, talking to kids individually. I found out who were the stars from uh, the previous year and uh, uh, met with them individually as long as they weren't in uh, winter sport and uh, advertising, you know, through the school announcements and uh, trying to get the word spread. You know, we got a few more kids, a few more kids and had a decent first year. And then the next year it kind of took off. And, you know, recently, you know, before COVID, we would have, uh, you know, half the team, uh spring would be there so you know we'd have 50 plus kids 60 kids something like that out of the 130 that we'd expect to come out for the regular season so it, it kind of built up did you did you have any like sayings or mantras or, or something that you used with kids or or anything well, we have like a theme that each year so i can't say there's one particular one okay. but yeah we have one thing that we emphasize the most recent one uh was grind refine compete and uh, picked that up um, when we were at an indoor meet up the University of Washington and their football team had that on the indoor facility and I thought, ah, that's pretty cool you know the grind get after it and work put in the preseason and then the early season hard work and then you refine it and work your technical things and uh, compete and get after it and hopefully do some winning. I really like that one of the uh, you know for baseball and and all sports obviously when you're when it gets to competition time you can't really be thinking about um technical things like from a baseball standpoint i'm thinking of like when i'm when i'm up to bat and i'm in the box and a pitch is coming i can't be thinking about you know where i need to move my elbow or slot my elbow or you know anything like that so i really like that saying because the idea of when you get down to the end it's time to compete so it's like when match time comes up you just you have to trust you have to trust all the work that you put in before that and that goes back to what we mentioned earlier of of how important the absolutely you know if you practice well often enough then when it comes to the competition day you're not just thinking about your technical things. You're competing. You go out there to try and win, and if you can't win, you're going for second. If you can't do that, you go for third. You're doing the best you can, trying to get a personal record, which is another form of winning, is getting your best mark you've ever gotten, and you just go compete. So we don't emphasize as much the technique because it'll come naturally to you as you get into that competition because you practiced it so much. Yeah, one of the one of the people I talked to once on here was uh, Eric Detman. He's the track and field coach at Lincoln. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, one of the things that we talked about that has that still kind of blows my mind is is how many individual children come out for track and field teams. You know, for for like my baseball program at South, I'll get about forty five kids, and so pretty manageable. I can get to know all of them pretty well. How many, how many kiddos do you have in a normal season at North Salem? Well, we're looking for 130. We've had over 150 at times and it is all kinds of kids. And that's exciting because you have some elite kids that are going on to compete division one. And you got some kids who, uh, you know, just don't have the skill level and so on. They're out there for social reasons or whatever. And we got to love up every kid. We got to coach every kid. You got to care about each one. And that's an exciting part of track and field. There's a place for everybody. Well, that's one of the things that's probably really hard too, is within a, you know, within, again, within a, within a baseball team, cause that's the world I know um, there's various skill levels, but probably not as much as, as what you see it with the track team. Like you mentioned, some kids are doing it because their friends are doing it and it's fun and it's, it's something they can be a part of. And at North, they can, they can experience winning too, which is probably a fun draw for them as well. So you're, you know, you'll have a kid, like you mentioned, if you're running the four by four, there'll be some who just, they're just not very good. And so you're the, the, it's kind of like a classroom almost where you have kids who read at like a third grade level. Then you have some that are reading at college level, and you're trying to make sure that you're doing a good job of, of, of providing 
the help that each one of those kids need. I just imagine that being such a huge task with, with so many kids on the, on the team. It is, but it's, it's super exciting because, you know, some of these kids who have very little talent uh, are actually just some amazing young people that are going on to great success in life. And what a privilege to, you know, give them a little excitement and some life lessons and uh, so on along the way. Um, we emphasize personal records. And so those kids get uh, recognized in uh, post-competition celebrations that we have uh, for personal records. And I, I just love the whole idea of, you know, I'm working with some of the top kids in the state of Oregon, you know, elite kids, and I'm working with some other kids that will never make the varsity. And uh, it, it's still exciting. You just love up those kids too. That's uh, it's something that you brought up that I that we should get into. You guys are amazing on social media of putting your kids up there and like you said celebrating prs celebrating obviously when when you were at state this past this past um spring and and posting all the success that you had there and um just really cool stuff that you guys do on social media and then also obviously all the records that you've 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 kept just copious amounts of records who does your social media stuff well, it's a combination. Um, my distance coach has done the Instagram, and I do t- the Twitter. I do the website, which uh, track and field coaches use, uh, athletic.net, and ours is a very extensive um, uh, uh, website with all kinds of information, tons of pictures, and so on, and a um, good place for the parents to find out our schedule and the information about each kid and all their records and so on. So thank you for saying that. And uh, yeah, it's a part of running a good program. And in this day and age is having the social media that um, that the kids can look at and retweet and, you know, all those kind of things. So appreciate it. Well, you've again, not to make you sound old, but you've been doing this for six decades so <laughs> if you started in 79 and ended in 21, so you obviously <laughs> saw the, you saw the, the internet come about during that time. And obviously, you know, now using it, leveraging it to all the, all the celebrations and, and whatnot is really cool for the kids and their families and the community and the alumni and all that. But it's also a good recruiting tool, it gets other kids that maybe are in sixth, seventh, eighth grade who see those posts, they're getting excited now to come into the program too. Um, what what was it like before the social media part came along? Did you were were there ways that you were able to celebrate kids like that before Twitter and Instagram and all this stuff came about? Well, first of all, Max, thank you for pointing out the six. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the internet age and and uh, computer driven results at meets and so on has been amazing. And, you know, I'm the kind that, despite the, the decades going by, I love change. I love trying new things and so on. And this has been uh, exciting. And I agree with you. It gets kids out. We try and get our middle schoolers involved. We're very much uh, active with our feeder schools. And they can uh, follow us and see the excitement of state meets and district meets and that North Salem is putting kids uh, in uh, D1 colleges and and um, universities and and it's just uh, it's very exciting. It wasn't uh, that way back in the early days. I remember when we would keep results on a three part NCR paper, and <laughs> uh, at the end of the meet, you could rip off the event sheets and give copies of each one and to uh, the opposing coach or coaches and um, old school to do a scouting report instead of just looking on a website. We'd look in newspapers from around the. Area. <laughs> Who had uh, what results so you could get your kids uh, mentally prepared for your opponent. So, yeah, it's very, very different back in the uh, older days. That's something that's actually kind of sad. I remember in in high school, so I graduated from North in, in 2007. And like I mentioned earlier, we somehow never really crossed paths when I was a student there. But I remember uh, we, we didn't have a subscription. My family didn't have a subscription to the, the newspaper, the Statesman Journal here. But we... I remember this is kind of pretty egotistical, but it's the way it's the truth. I remember if I did well in a baseball game, 
then the next morning on my way to school, I'd stop at <laughs> Elmer's uh, like waffle restaurant because it was kind of on the way. And they had a, you know, one of those little things outside where you'd put in a quarter and you'd get the newspaper <laughs> so that I could, I could see the little blurb where it just mentioned, you know, the North Salem five, McKay four, Max Price had three RBIs. And I remember being like, this is really cool. And I'd save all that stuff. And that's one of the kind of the sad things that we've seen too, is with, with the introduction of social media and technology and the changing way of the media and everything like kids you don't get to be in the newspaper very much anymore and i just it it was so cool and it's neat to have those tangible things i've got them still in in like a trunk in my house like that stuff that i've saved that's really cool for me and so that part of me is really sad for kids like they don't the, the coverage now is just not not what they used to get i agree with that you know you still get some of it you know after our 2019 win we had uh, great coverage in the local mm-hmm. paper but you know we had to uh, push that out to the kids because not all of them got the the newspaper so we put pictures of the article on instagram or twitter mm-hmm. and show, show them uh hey, in the coverage here you guys are here. <laughs> it's hilarious what a world where we're taking pictures of the newspaper and posting that on instagram isn't that something <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty crazy um so <laughs> one thing i wanted to definitely ask you about was you know obviously when you have 150 kids or so it's not. It's, it's obviously not Don Berger coaching 150 kids all the time, right? So in, in track and field, you have so many different events, so many different things that you have. You have to have a lot of assistant coaches, and they need to be obviously high quality people. How do you, or how did you, over over your career, not only like find good coaches, but keep them around? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I've, I've always been into having a big staff because of what you said. It's not just about me. I give the direction and, and uh, the vision for the program, but then I've got to have good people that are uh, carrying that out and working with the people in the different areas. So the district pays for myself and three assistant coaches, and uh, then any others I have to either have as uh, volunteers or that we raise money to uh, to pay them. So my goal would be somewhere in the range of 12 to 15 coaches, which I've had throughout my career. I've even had more than that at times, up mm-hmm. close to 20 to try and uh, get them there. So we did uh, raise money for uh, paying the assistant coaches um, to uh, to be a part of it the, instead of just volunteers. But again, we'd have some volunteers, sometimes alumni who wanted to come back and uh, be a part of it and so on. would look for positive role models. I wouldn't take anybody on who had not been a positive part of the team in the past uh, and so on uh, for the, the alumni. But um, I uh, treat these folks as uh, professionals and give them the uh, reign to do their job. Uh, when I first started coaching back in the 70s and 80s, I did almost everything. I'd do the entries. I'd do the extra duties. I'd do uniforms, fundraising, et cetera. And uh, when I came to North, I was getting ready to do entries, and the coaches were stunned, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, putting the entries in for the meet. And they're like, well, normally we would do that in our event. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> so I turned that over to them. Well, then I decided, well, let's give them some other stuff too. And uh, pretty soon I had uh, one coach doing fundraising and one coach doing uniforms, which is like the worst job. And that's no, terrible. Back and field and trying to get that. Another one doing the computer work on the meets and so on. And it, uh, it worked great, you know, hire good people and let them do their jobs. And then the other thing I do to keep them happy besides trying to pay them and, and give them important uh, jobs is I give them credit. Like if a young person gets a, a record or makes it to state or something, I'm high-fiving or hugging that coach and like, well done. And the coach will usually deflect it like, well, yeah, I didn't do it. I was a kid. And I'm like, yeah, but the kid had to have somebody there to do it. And uh, you're a star. And so I give them credit personally and to the parents at parent meetings and and at awards times and so on. And I also spoil those coaches and give them a fancy, uh, nice meal preseason when we had a meeting uh, that I just uh, gave to them. A lot of times we'd go out to, together after a meet, and often I would pay for that. I gave them new gear every year, uh, nice stuff, shirts, uh, hats, jackets, uh, etc. And I just spoil them. Your assistant coaches make or break you. 
and you want to win championships and so on, you got to have good people on your staff. That's huge in our program. Take care of your coaches. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, when you when you were doing this, did you have any so? Just to like back up. So, you you know, you bring in someone who obviously you want them to be, like you said, a positive role model. So you need good people first. Obviously, you want somebody who has, you know, some experience in track at, at some level. And then beyond that, like what resources did you provide or did you send them to clinics or like or did you personally like how did you help them uh, or give them opportunities to grow within their like technical training for whatever you know part of the team they were kind of in charge of? Wow, you've got great questions. It's like you've, <laughs> you've done this before. Let's see it. Absolutely, uh, coaches got to grow. And in our preseason meeting, we talk about that every year. It's like you can't get stale. You can't think that you have all the answers because as soon as you think you know everything, then your kids are not on the cutting edge and they're not uh, still gaining and uh, as they could. You're not the best. You have to stay on it. And that includes clinics, books, um, YouTube videos, um, talking to other coaches, etc. And I tell the coaches every year, I will support that. You want to buy, um, you know, a digital class used to be, you know, DVDs they'd want and so on. You want new books, you want uh, to go to a clinic, you talk to me, we'll take care of it. So absolutely, they got to keep learning. That's awesome. I, what do you, what do you, Talking over the last few minutes, I'm like adding up in my head. Like this sounds, this sounds really expensive. Do you have like a ballpark number for what a yearly like budget was for for the track program at North? Um, I don't. You know, personally, I would put in hundreds and hundreds of dollars on buying them the gear uh-huh. um, and personal money. And you know, like most coaches, I would say, you know, we're not in it for the money. And so, if I could spend it on my staff. Uh, I'd be happy to do that with meals and gear and so on. So hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And um, then we are big into doing major fundraisers. And uh, the district has cracked down on that uh, mm-hmm. lately. But we used to spend a lot of that money on coaches' salaries and clinics and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but we had a lot of money through fundraising. Did you have any fundraisers that were really good that that worked really well? Absolutely. Uh, We put on big meets and we had had a big uh, competition called the Viking Relays where we'd have a whole bunch of schools coming in. They'd pay an entry fee and we could also sell T-shirts and concessions and that kind of thing. And we'd make thousands of dollars on that. We did the same thing with the middle schools. We would host uh, the all-city middle school meet. Uh, for all the middle schools in the city of Salem, again, charge entry fee, uh, and the district would kick in on that to uh, have us do that. So we'd raise money through that. So those were our best ones, way better than, you know, selling stuff door to door, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and at, at North, it's such a like beautiful, like setting for track. So the, and even better now, actually, because they just did all that construction on it. And here you are leaving right when they finish all this amazing construction and make this gorgeous, gorgeous facility. Well, it is, uh, you know, for our little inner city school, we, we got a beautiful place, one of the only places in Salem with the covered stands and so on. And sometimes I just walk out there thinking how blessed I am uh, t- to be uh, to be a part of that. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I may not, you know, totally leave. If the new coach wants me to stay on, I would stay on as an assistant coach um, and uh, uh, see if I could still have uh, an impact. What would that be like for you? Let's say somebody did take over and they called you and they want you to be part of it. What what do you think that experience would be like being an assistant coach after you spent so many years as a head coach of a program? You know, the person has to be the right person for me to work for. They have to be a person of integrity, squeaky clean on the rules and so on, or I won't work for them. Um, I want somebody who wants to win because, as you've heard me talk about winning, and I believe trying to win brings out the best, brings out the best in the coaches, brings out the best in the athletes. It makes the program go first class. Not necessarily that you win everything, but that you're trying to win. And I need somebody who would do that person who's interested in sportsmanship and organization, so on, they don't have to do everything the way I do for me to be happy. They just have to have those basics of how to treat kids and uh, trying to excel. How did you like 
build relationships with kids. So, you know, going back to the, you know, as an assistant coach, it'd probably be a little bit easier, right? Because you would theoretically have a, a somewhat smaller group, a smaller part of the pie that you'd, you know, obviously make easy connections to because, you you know, if you're working Javelin, for example, like you'd, you'd have your Jav people and you'd it'd be really natural. But, you know, going back to the part of being a head coach of a program when you have, you know, 100, 150 kids, how are you or how were you like going around and making sure that you were building relationships with all of them? Yeah. Um, you know, as a head coach, you still are in charge of an event. So I've been the sprint coach, the head sprint hurdle coach. So and so I get much closer to those kids. Um, and we do uh, team times, treats, games, um, uh, get togethers, that kind of thing. Uh, as head coach, then uh, you need to go to some of the other groups, um, uh, fun times, and we do team games and stuff together as well. But some of it is just going to the uh, event area and chatting with the kids and so on. You know, with the hundred, let's say I got 150 that year, I, I'm well into the season before I feel like I know almost everybody's name. So it's a challenge for what you're saying, having that many, but I think it's part of the job and, you know, your assistant coaches get real close to them and then you get to know each one, but especially your group. Well, when you have, when you have so many kids and so many assistant coaches, like I've, I imagine a lot of your job, you know, you mentioned you the sprints, you were the sprints coach, obviously you were coaching kids specifically in there, but I imagine a huge part of your role as the head track and field coach, especially when you start divvying up responsibilities and getting, you know, letting someone else uh, do the uniforms and whatnot, you end up, a lot of your role ends up being about relationships, not only like we talked about with kids, but then with the assistant coaches too. And, and like, pulling them aside and talking to them and, and putting a lot of energy into them too, so that they can then use that energy on building their relationships with their groups too. Yeah. You mentioning the relationships is just, you know, considering that as you pointed out more than once here today, I'm old. Um, you, <laughs> you back and, you know, I still have a burning desire to excel and want to outwork everybody and I want to win, but there's also the relationship part of it, which turns out uh, as you, you go through the years to be more important than just the excelling to get to know people, to f talk to them about, and this co counts coaches and athletes, talk to them about things outside of track. You know, they'll think you just got to stop watch for brains or something. If you <laughs> never find out that they are going into music in college or that they uh, want to, get a business degree and, you know, raise a family and so on. And, you know, what activities are they in besides track and so on? And building the relationships is what gives the fulfillment to this. If it's not just about, you know, big trophies, it's about uh, building a bond between uh, two different people and then through the whole team. I think that's something that uh, maybe people from the outside maybe don't understand, especially at a place like North Salem High School, where there are these. I remember once um, when I was working at North, um, I won't name the person, but I, I, you know, I was talking to somebody, and oh yeah, I teach and coach at North. I love it. And they go, oh, but the the very first parking spot in front of the school is for a police officer's car. Uh, like, that must be a pretty rough school. And I'm like, no, it's not a rough school at all. It's a fantastic school. Like I love every part of it. But I know that. Uh, from being there, relationships almost feel more important at North than they felt anywhere else that I've been. Like just w w relationships with kids, like it just uh, a lot of them have uh, things going on at home that uh, a lot of us uh, there there be some days right. Like I don't even know how this kid wakes up and comes to school in the morning, knowing what they go through at home, and just how incredibly important relationships are with teenagers, and then especially. Uh, at like North Salem, where a lot of the kids have have a lot of things going on, just like kids do at all schools, but uh, have, have things going on outside of school that are really um, sometimes heart wrenching, like really difficult to even listen to. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, there's a police liaison officer at every high school. <laughs> That's what I always say too. I'm like, That's at every school, but okay. <laughs> uh, um, but I I totally uh, agree with you that 
working at the inner city school, these kids need the relationship. You know, we want to make track this, and we want to make the sports practice and meets the most positive part of their day because kids will think negative thoughts themselves. They might get it uh, at home. Uh, you know, they struggle sometimes in the classroom or whatever, and it's just tough. But if you go out to track and field where there's a positive atmosphere and people are acknowledging your effort and giving you some little award for a lifetime PR and getting uh, recognized in front of the team and so on, and the coach just, you can tell the coach loves them. I mean, what a great thing in a teenager's life is to have the, the sports program, the, the coach who really, really cares. So that's huge. you got to love these kids. Yeah, I think that's a, that's something that Detman over at Lincoln mentioned too. They have a, a saying, I think it's LYT, love your teammates. And it kind of, everything in their program is kind of tied back to that idea of loving your teammates. And I, for, ever since I heard that, I'm like, that's just, it's such a perfect way to say it because that's what, that's what the kids, that's what they need. I think it's what we need too as adults too, to just be able to, to be connected to people in ways that like, like you mentioned, like chasing winning, it, it, it breeds excellence. It forces us to, to be a little bit stronger every day. It forces us to really build the relationships to make sure that we continue towards the path of winning. And I, I don't know, I just, I just think it's really important for high school kids. Well, uh, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're as an inner city school, we have a lot of diversity in the school. And I think we celebrate that. But we also can come together as a team and celebrate the ways we're alike uh, as well. And to pull together like that, love each other, no matter what uh, background we are, no matter what our family situation is, and so on. You come together. Your coach cares about you. You know, you're, you're, you got a support staff out there. Your teammates are cheering for you, which is a trademark of a good program. A, they celebrate each other's success. It's, I think, makes a, a big difference in kids' lives. Yeah, it does. It's, it's. You said it really well. It's that the idea of we're all we're all different in tons of ways, uh, but at the same time, we're all the same. We're all working for the same thing. We all have the same goal. When you win, I win. It's it's a really cool environment uh, in, in track and field, especially because it kind of breeds that opportunity. Like you said, like there's so many ways or opportunities within a track meet, an individual meet a few hours to cheer for like so many different teammates that you have. Uh, and then, you know, JV kids and varsity kids and just there's just there's just so much opportunity to to show your love for each other. Absolutely. You know, we we say it uh, all the time. It's like we don't want to see people up in the stands during a track meet. You look at the opponents and half of them are up in the stands uh, sitting and so on. And you look in our bleachers when the kids aren't in their events. Where are they? Well, they can go up and, you know, get a drink and, and sit there, but they're not going to sit and play on their phone. They're not going to sit with their friend up there. They're out cheering for their teammates. And, um, boy, this year in 2021, uh, you could find nobody in our stands, not a single athlete at times, because they were doing what our expectation was, was be out there. You're a 3,000 runner, and you're cheering for the shot put. And so you go down there and, and – watch that shot put and uh, cheer your teammates. There's nothing like it. Kids just look. Yeah. yeah, they do. It's, it's, it's really fun to watch too. It, when I, I, you know, obviously played baseball in high school, so I didn't really get to see a track meet until I married my wife and her, uh, she was in track and stuff, but her, um, her little brother did track at sister's high school. He actually just graduated a couple weeks ago. Um, and then she also coached track ironically at Salem Academy. And ironically, she was the middle school track coach for about three years, a few oh, years nice. ago. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I knew, I knew very little bit of, about track and now I know just enough to, to not know any, to know that I know nothing <laughs> even more so, but um, yeah, something that's really cool. Just the, the team aspect of track is so different um, than other sports. And I, I don't, I don't know exactly why, but it just, it's almost weird. Like it doesn't make sense that there's all these kids that are doing all these different things. Like you mentioned, some are, you know, big music people, there's choir kids and it just, it doesn't fit the mold of like a normal high school athletic team where you think of like, you know, the baseball team, oh, they just play baseball and, and, and basketball. It's just, it's a very different experience with track 
Well, uh, first of all, I wonder if your wife ever asked you if baseball is like a real sport, but um, (laughs) 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 um, (laughs) thought on on track being uh, different and exciting. Yeah. I I coached some football early in my uh, career and I, you know, I, I never get over the feeling of Friday night excitement and so on. I just love that. But there is a different feel there with the track and field as the kids have more freedom to get out and cheer for each other. We have them at times during a meet chanting the name of the person uh, running the event and so on. And we, um, we have um, down on the final turn of the last event of the day, the four by 400 relay and they're chanting or this year we had Thor's hammer out there that would do a, a boom as the athlete went by, and it was really a, a fun and exciting thing. So, yeah, it's a it's a great feel. I just love it. I gotta make sure I ask you because you know you're. I have a chance to talk to a guy who's retired after you know coaching for a little while. Uh, what are you know when you when you kind of look back over your career? And I don't know if you're far enough out from it now to really step back and reflect um, on, on it as a whole, but what were some mistakes that maybe you made when you were younger that uh, maybe maybe not go back and fix it because maybe those mistakes are part of your story and it made you better? But, you know, what are some mistakes that you might have made when you were younger as a coach? Well, um, early on, I, I was, had more of a football background and I would coach track some like football with you know, big pep talks, you know, I you know, when I was a football coach, I'd throw clipboards and helmets and kick chairs and stuff, <laughs> get everybody excited and so on. And you can't get track athletes that excited because they're not going to perform at an optimum level. And so, you know, I had them doing warm ups um, with nobody talking and uh, everything intense and so on. We used to do the old static stretching uh, for a warm-up, which was another mistake because that doesn't huh. warm you up. We haven't done static stretching for 20 years. Um, but the warm-ups were too intense and um, the warm-up talks, the you know, the, the pre-beat talks and so on were too intense and that kind of thing. So I got into it more, learned more uh, about elite track and uh, relax things a little bit to get them at their best. <laughs> yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that the, yeah, the, that football mentality doesn't, doesn't transfer over to every sport. Exactly. Uh, it, it doesn't even like as a baseball coach, I'm thinking like most of the time it doesn't, you get real fired up in a pep talk. It doesn't really matter because the, when you're going out to then perform whatever task it is, it doesn't reflect that environment at all. Whereas in football, like it's a very intense, like here comes 10 seconds of hell and then, okay, we break for a little while, then it's back at it. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's not quite like that in every sport. That's true. Yeah. Well said. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, and then I also know that, you know, as a, as a young coach or young ish coach, I guess I'm, I'm obviously married. I, we have a kiddo and I just think forward of, 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 uh, of all the time it takes to be a coach and to do it well. And I know that you have been married for 45 years, I think you said. Right. Uh, so your your entire coaching career has has also spanned your entire marriage. And so can you get in? And you had a couple of kids, you got some grandkids too. So can you get into how you've managed to balance this life with coaching? Yeah, it's, it's a struggle. And to be a great track coach and I assume in uh, all sports you have to be obsessed with organization and so spending the time to plan out every detail of the program and uh, to communicate to your coaches exactly what you're expecting and often down down to the minute like on going to meets or putting on home meets and so on so it takes a lot of time and you know when it's a passion you're pretty obsessed with it but as we said relationships are more important and so my wife um, is such a sweetheart and just got very involved with it. She uh, was a team mom and would uh, host get togethers uh, for the team before the district uh, decided that was <laughs> something for uh, district coaches to do. But um, she w- she gives gifts every year for the kids and puts on a big dinner before uh, district and state meets and so on. So she got very involved. My kids grew up as uh, gym rats and were involved with uh, 
my coaching throughout. We're you know, we're a sports family. Some are music family or drama family or whatever. We're a sports family. So my kids were very involved. They were on my teams uh, and so on. But we also made sure that, you know, we didn't just talk about, you know, sports at home and so on. A Christian family. And, you know, we uh, kept involved with a, our church and activities for the young people. And they got to choose their own path as far as music and drama and so on. So, you know, it's finding that balance in there. You give uh, everything you got to your sport in the time allotted for it. And, you know, like the old saying, wherever you are, be all there. So we're going to give everything for our sport. But then there's time to focus on family or church or you're teaching, you know, whatever it may be, you give a hundred percent there. I don't believe in a list of priorities, like with, you know, this at the top, then second, then third and so on. Um, it's, it's more like a circle with different sections of the circle. So there's, you know, God and family and track and teaching and friends and so on all are, uh, in this circle and whichever part you're on, that's where your focus is. And, uh, I, I'm a big believer, especially as I've gotten older, um, through the years developed that you can't just, uh, focus on your job. You'll mess things up. You know, you, you, your family won't feel loved and taken care of if you're, uh, just have track at the top of the list. I love the circle thing. I've never heard never heard anyone put it like that. I can tell that you were a teacher for a long time because I'm sitting here. I can see the, visually see it like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I really like that. Well, the way, when I learned it the first time, it, it had God in the center and then the other things around the outside. And uh, you can apply it, you know, for your own belief system. But, um, you know, the, the big thing is wherever you are, be all there. Don't be doing track stuff during family time. I love it. You've kind of alluded to this a little bit, uh, but I want to ask you outright and just give you a chance to to answer it. Um, especially since we had the the COVID year, almost kind of almost a COVID two year deal here in Oregon, and we had kind of high school sports taken away from us for a little while, uh, and it gave I think gave people a chance to reflect on why high school sports are important or not. Uh, and so, obviously, you dedicated your life to this um, to to this pursuit. Um, so if someone were to ask you, Don, why are high school sports important? Why should we care about them? Why do they matter? What would your response be to that? Wow, I love that question. Um, sports are a great place for learning life skills. And I've seen studies where many of the top leaders in Fortune 500 companies look back on their time in sports as where they learned a lot of powerful lessons about life and including um, things like uh, hard work and teamwork and uh, goal setting and so on. And so I, as a coach, have always had that part of the program is teaching life skills. And some people, you know, I've, I've had two or three assistants over the years with, you know, dozens and dozens of different assistants, but some of them are like, ah, let's just get on to practice. Let's not have a meeting and be talking about this stuff. And like, okay, great coach. So at the end of the time that we're together with, uh, with these kids, they're going to know how to run in circles really fast or throw something. <laughs> long ways. And that's it. That's all you want out of it. So we do life lessons and these are super important. First of all, we emphasize academics right at the top of it. You know, these are going to get you further in life. Um, then and more scholarships of, with academics so we emphasize that but then the life skills i mean every year we'd have a different theme which we already talked about and then uh, often during a week we'd have a theme so this is goal setting week and so we're going to talk about how important goals are and what they can do for you we're going to talk about positive self-talk and how that helps you and um visualization setting priorities being a self-starter acting like a champion. We have all these different themes that we do. And hopefully the kids come out of it as they uh, grow up and become citizens in, in the world, being a better citizen, a better person, uh, having learned from high school sports. Um, I think it's an outstanding education for young people to be in high school sports. That's so funny. Sometimes when I see 
like a, a state leader or or somebody making a decision that I think is pretty silly. I, I sometimes think to myself, I wonder if they played high school sports because if they did, they might they might not have made that decision that they made. <laughs> yeah, some a lot. of the decisions here in uh, Oregon uh, for, regarding sports and so on, you just shake your head. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. So we've gone through almost an hour and we haven't talked about any X's and O's stuff about track because I don't think it, I mean, it's it's important and it matters, but I don't think it necessarily matters for what coaches actually are all about. Like you mentioned, it's about life. But I do want to ask you one technical question while I have you, uh, specifically and selfishly for baseball. Um, basically, the farthest my kids run is in a straight line and it's essentially 90 feet, right? <laughs> and you were a sprints coach. So can you give me one thing uh, that me and any other baseball coach listening could could take and install in our practices to maybe help our kids a little bit? Well, let's go with two things. And I think uh, the Lincoln coach uh, mentioned the similar things to you. One, we do spend some time on correct form. So work on sprint form. And that would include you know the takeoff, like if you're leaving the base, uh, and so on. And some kids, you know, the majority of high school runners overstride and that slows you down. You should never be striking your heel. You're hitting the ball of your foot. And so short, powerful strides and getting the arm action instead of going much side to side, powering straight ahead and back and just working on those form things. And, you know, you can do that with speed ladders. You can do that with just uh, sprint drills. Um, and so on. And um, there's a lot to be done there. And then just practicing high end speed. You know, my kids in the sprints where we've had, uh, you know, some pretty good success uh, recently, we don't jog ever. We don't run slowly. We're out there for practice and meets, slash and burn. We're going to go for it. We're going to fly. And so we take time in between the run, but when we do a run, we go fast. And so you train your muscles and uh, your mind to be at top speed. So my two things would be, you know, work on sprint form. And when you practice, do it fast. I love it. I don't know if you noticed this, but as, as soon as you went into that question, you're like your voice and tone changed and you went into like total coach mode like you just I could just the, I'm not joking like you were just all of a sudden became this super passionate like let's get into track guy we gotta we gotta find a, a podcast or something for you to get on so you can talk specifically about uh, sprinting itself which you obviously spent a lot of time coaching because I think I think we need to have that on file somewhere I gotta find somebody to get you on because I think you would I think you would have an opportunity to really like <laughs> nerd out so to speak well I love that stuff I've, I've spoken to some <laughs> clinics uh as a sprint coach before there's some stuff online. If uh, anybody listening is interested in it, um, I, I uh, did a presentation and uh, I think it was 2017 at the Nebraska coaches association. That was, uh, they invited me there cause I'd won the national coach of the year and they wanted somebody to come in and talk. So I, I did a presentation on that and uh, yeah, I love that stuff. And, you know, we're just out of the state meet here recently, so it's still pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I, I, I think you're still going to keep coaching in, in some level somewhere. <laughs> I'm pretty I sure I can. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Before I let you go, uh, uh, you know, first off, it's been it's been really fun catching up with you. Uh, I, I, I miss teaching with you and, and, and being around you. You're just uh, – you're one of the few people, I think, in education that just – felt like you always shot it straight and you did what was best for kids all the time. And like you said, you weren't, uh, you weren't transferring, you know, issues in your classroom and handing them off on other people. And just, I, I just really appreciate you as a person, but before I let you go, I, I wanted to just kind of hand the mic to you like one more time. And if there's anything we missed, um, you know, parting thoughts, anything for young coaches, any reflections you have, doesn't matter. Just, just kind of hand the mic over to you one last time. Well, uh, thank you for the kind words and I'll throw some back at you. I enjoyed working with you as well. We had some good times in the 
English department before you went to oh, yeah. uh, arch rival uh, over there, <laughs> coach baseball, which is no, sorry, it was actually a great move for you and so on. But we uh, we had some good times, and um, you've obviously had some great success over there. I've followed how things are going, and you guys are winning all the time and heading into the playoffs and uh, good stuff, good stuff. Thank so um, the, the wrap up, I guess, is you know just um, develop a, the culture uh, that you want. You know, ours, we make crystal clear from the beginning. We expect to win, uh, but we do it with class. And uh, we're big into sportsmanship, and uh, we don't allow swearing at uh, practice or competitions. And uh, we treat our opponents with respect. Um, Culture involves hard work, but fun. We have, you know, Friday fun game for a while and different uh, cool things for that. So hard work, but fun teaching the life skills and track being the most uh, positive part of their day. So develop the culture that you want and uh, you will have success. Uh, North has obviously been successful for a long time now. And I hope uh, as, as the the new, new coach, whoever that might be takes over and, and things, they experience some change. I hope, the, the culture that you built and the the traditions that you built, I hope those those keep carrying on because that's kind of the legacy you end up leaving behind and hopefully someone else kind of grabs that baton and keeps keeps running with it to, to do the track speak. So, uh, Don, appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. It's uh, been a, a fun time and it's good to talk to you. Huge fist bump to Coach Don Berger for jumping on the show to reflect on his career you know i said in the in the introduction that uh you know coach Berger doesn't sound like he's going to be in retirement for very long and as you could hear at the end there um, just just amazing when i asked him that question about you know sprinting ideas for baseball how you could just hear his voice change the tone change and how excited he got about the coaching and that passion is something that's really important to understand about coach Berger because when you have conversations with him in person he's a very calm very laid-back guy and then when you get into the technical aspects of coaching he just loves it uh, just lives for it so like I said I don't think he's going to be in retirement very long I'm sure we'll see him as an assistant coach soon Um, but six decades it's incredible um, anyway, a huge thanks, you know, to Coach Don Berger for being on the show. It's just fantastic to have him. And thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. You know, if you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, please reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Uh, follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. Make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. You can find that link in the show notes. Be sure to share this on social media. Get the word out. Um, just, just do whatever you can to spread the club to as many people as you can if you feel like you've found some level of impact through listening. If this was your first time, so happy you were here. And please tune in again next week. That's it. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.